I'm going to read a couple of verses out of Luke chapter 2. Might be familiar. And uh, we're going to talk about joy. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, but behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word, and there's so much. It's so deep, um, beyond our ability to comprehend without your spirit. Lord, we long for joy. In a world filled with despair, Might we, even this morning, be reminded that joy is really, truly only found in you. And so help us to hear what your Spirit has for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. read a story this week uh, in a shopping mall in Russia. Apparently two Santas decided to duke it out. And uh, apparently it was a territorial issue. One Santa was a little offended and put back that the other Santa seemed to be infringing on his territory. And one observer said it was like the Santa Mafia. (laughs) Uh, Not a lot of joy there. Um, Something about this season, um, in some cases, can bring out really uh, negative things. But joy to the world, the Lord has come, we sing. And we celebrate that. And joy, that word, is, is everywhere. I actually saw the word in a um, flyer for Home Depot, joy. And I thought, well, that's a great word to put in Home Depot. I'm not necessarily a Home Depot guy or anything like that, although it's a great story. Um, But the word's everywhere. Probably you've received Christmas cards with it, seen it on TV and commercials. The word joy is used in Christmas songs more than any other holiday. We find joy. And as we approach Christmas, we hear about joy and What a joyful season it is, and so we try, if you think about it, often to cram all the other anxieties and all the worries down and somehow conjure up some joy. And we're like, well, if I can just squeeze my eyes hard enough and and, and focus hard enough, I can work up some joy in my life. And Then if we don't feel joy, we almost feel guilty. That's really not what the joy of Christmas is about. And while it might joy might you might define it as that momentary thing it's really shallow and short-lived but the joy that's offered in jesus christ this advent season it's one of a deep and an abiding joy it's a joy so powerful that it can heal broken lives in a broken world in the midst of all the troubles and struggles joy is possible that which is is so deep and and so penetrating into our lives. And Peter put it this way, though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you did not see him now, you believe in Jesus and you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Joy. What a gift it is. And if you've been able to join us this past two weeks, we've, we've talked about some gifts, the gift of hope. We've talked about last week the gift of love. And the gift of joy is our focus this week. And we talked about the meaning of Advent. It means the coming and the arrival. And it's certainly true to say when we talk about Advent, the coming of joy. 
because Christ came. And it's not just Advent, it's not just some extension of Christmas, but it's a season that links the past and the present and the future as we look forward to the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And we long for it, and we, we want to become alert for it, as the Scriptures exhort us to. And as we talked about hope, we talked about hope past and present and future and love. We talked about it's a love we respond to. It's a love we can experience in the day-to-day. And it's ultimately a love we can share once we experience it. And so I want to look specifically, though, at the third candle represents that we lit, and that's joy. And how do we experience it? It's deep, it's powerful, it's the kind of rejoicing, and that's where the word comes from, rejoicing. And we see where that word comes from. It's talked about in Psalms. Example, Psalm 96, 11 through 13. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound, all that's in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for He comes. Indeed, He has, and He will. And because of that, joy is possible. But I understand as we sit here that a question might nag at you. As I thought about you this week and prayed for our congregation, I thought, okay, sitting out here, I know there's going to be some people that are thinking, I just don't feel joy. I'm feeling the pressure, I'm feeling the anxiety, but joy, it's not part of the equation right now of my life. And in the midst of the suffering and maybe loneliness or pain or busyness or grief or stress or maybe even boredom, I want us to look at joy and how it's possible to have it. First of all, we can anticipate joy. Joy is something that you and I can anticipate. Have you ever been waiting for something for so long that you might have even given up hope that it would ever arrive? Maybe it was a package that you're like, I know it's coming. I know it's coming, then you forget, and all of a sudden, boom, there it is. Or even maybe you forgot that package is on the way, or maybe even you didn't know it was coming. And at this point, I think it's important to clarify joy, because if it's something we're anticipating, it's good to know what we're anticipating. Is joy an emotion? Yeah. It's something that God gives, and a God-given emotion, but equally, it's a choice. It's internal. It's present irregardless of the circumstances. And ultimately, it's brought by Jesus Christ, made possible in a relationship with Him. Apart from Jesus, there is no joy. Let's just lay it on the table. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you won't know this glorious joy. It will be elusive. Because there's this other thing that people confuse with joy. It's happiness. But happiness depends on happenings. It's external. It's, it's something that's just based on the moment. I'll give an example. If I go into Menards or go into Michael's, one of the places, there's a lot of happiness. The other place, not so much. I'll let you decide which is which. But it's, it's momentary. It's, it's in the moment. So as I walk through Menards, I'm giddy. I'm loving all this stuff. This is great. And, and, uh, and, and, and I'm happy. And, uh, but there's times it's just not there. And that's the nature of happiness. It's elusive. There's a place, Disney World, called the happiest place on earth. And if you're a parent bringing young kids, it might not be true. But when you leave, 
You go home, you're like, man, I'd rather go back to the happiest place on earth. Why? Because it's elusive. Happiness is just kind of momentary type thing. And when we start talking about Advent, we talked about hope, and we looked at the history of the people of Israel. They were waiting for a Messiah for thousands of years. That's a tough wait. That's for sure. And I wonder if some of them gave up hope. They carried on in their lives and distractions, and maybe they're thinking they'd never see the coming of the Messiah, that it just wouldn't happen, that maybe it's some kind of fairy tale. But boy, there's others who held out hope. And they waited forward. They waited with anticipation. And you and I can engage in an active waiting, anticipating what's to come and watching for it. And that waiting has a purpose. You see, hope stays alive. And joy is similar to that. Even when we don't feel joy right now, we can anticipate the coming of joy into the world. We can prepare to move from our state of discouragement to experiencing and walking in that life-giving joy. Now the shepherds in the Christmas story are a good example. I love these guys. Now when the angels showed up and delivered a message to the shepherds on a hillside outside Bethlehem, the shepherds didn't immediately feel joy. As I just read, they, they actually were scared. They were afraid. Their knees were shaken. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Easy for you to say. <laughs> you're, you're a big angel. But he says, don't be afraid because I bring you good news. And it's going to do something. This good news, it's going to cause great joy. And if you're thinking, well, it might be for some people. Oh, no, the scriptures are clear for all people. So that's possible for you. Right where you sit right now, no matter where you're from, what you've done. Joy is possible because of good news. Today in the town of David, the angel said, A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. Joy. Joy was possible. The angel came to the shepherds and told them, Joy is possible. And the angel first addressed their fear. That helped them move beyond it so they could receive the message of joy which was found in the Savior Jesus Christ, the one they'd anticipated, waited for so long. By the end of the night, those shepherds, to some degree, they got it. Because we read in the text that they returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They they rejoiced. And I wonder on that walk to the stable, that sense of anticipation. I mean, what, what do you do with news like that? Uh, growing up, my brother and I, every Christmas Eve, would be on a reconnaissance mission about 3 in the morning. You know where I'm going with this. We, we had our rooms upstairs, and, and the stairs came down, and you turned a corner, and there was a tree. Dad liked big trees, and we liked it because that meant a lot of presents. Like, keep going, Dad. You've got to fill that baby up. You know, I don't know if you thought that one through. But we would come down and sneak, like on our bellies down these stairs, as quiet as could be. We would come around the corner and our goal was when we got around the corner to get to the tree it always seemed so far away the room seemed small growing up but until you put the tree in a corner and we had to go across and you're like why were you sneaking because of aunt lil aunt lil was mean i'm telling you she was she was mean she's the kind of aunt when you were halfway done with your food she'd take the plate because she was done right that's my aunt lil and she slept on the couch yeah so there was a little fear. But Tom and I would slink on our stomach, 
because we wanted to get, yeah, we wanted to rip over, open a corner and see, okay, I'll, I'll confess it. I wanted to see what was in there. I wanted to shake it. And one time, Mom and Dad put rocks in this one, and I'm shaking it, and it was brown pants. <laughs> Yuck. My like brown. And so we would, we would sneak and try, and inevitably, we'd be halfway there. What are you doing there, kids? Oh, we'd scare and run upstairs, never get to the tree because Aunt Lil. But there was such anticipation. We couldn't sleep on Christmas Eve. We, we tried everything we could to, to sneak a peek. Great anticipation. Because we knew that there was going to be joy the next morning. And that's what joy is. It's, it's anti- we can anticipate with joy, not just that Jesus is coming again, but I hope on Sunday morning, you're like, I'm going to church. I can't wait because I know God's going to meet us in a special way. We can anticipate with great joy. But we, before we anticipate, we need to kind of clarify and really recognize joy. We read about these shepherds. Now, shepherd, shepherding was one of those occupations many needed, but nobody wanted. Nobody went to school for shepherding. It was a lonely job. Matter of fact, a shepherd wanted a quiet night. He didn't want a busy night. A busy night means someone's attacking his, the, the sheep. And so he wanted a real quiet, uneventful night. That's what shepherds longed for. God chose Bethlehem, though. God's always confounding the equations we put up there. He chose Bethlehem. He chose the downtrodden country of Israel, peasant parents. And if that's not enough, and that night in Bethlehem, who do we see invited to greet the newborn king? Shepherds. Just simple shepherds. Now think about this. They're the first hearers. They're really the first visitors, believers, and you could say the first preachers and proclaimers. And this honor was reserved for the lowliest of the low. And on that night, they were favored of heaven. We don't read their names, but yet whatever their names were, they were part of the greatest guest list in history as they came to worship and see the king. And they were part of this most joyful moment in human history. Luke 2.9 says they're filled with awe and fear. Verse 15, astonishment. And then verse 20, joyful praise. You see the transformation right in the story in Luke. Now, I want to consider, first of all, this because it's not just joy that they're told about. It's, it's like this truth once obscured became light. And maybe the darkness they experienced was removed and a veil seemingly was removed. And it was a message they were given, and it was told a message of not just joy, but great joy. Great joy. This joy to rejoice, to be glad, and it's linked with the good news. I like the word great. It's, it, it's megas. We get word mega. And years ago, uh, McDonald's had supersized it. So you could say this is a supersized joy, a mega joy. Not a little joy, not a kind of joy, a mega joy. Joy supersized. And this is a joy that came with the message that was exceedingly exciting. God had entered the world. He was bringing salvation to all people. The good news which brings great joy is found in the Savior, the Messiah, Lord Yahweh. Now in Matthew 2, I encourage you to read, the wise men recognized the arrival of joy in the world. They were filled with so much joy that they're like, Let's go see it. 
We don't care how far we got to go. And they went pretty far. They brought their gifts to worship Jesus. Great joy. If you were here Wednesday night, you're going to understand how exciting and, and just wonderful it was to be a part of the Awana Christmas program. I mean, I don't know how many kids, there were a lot of children up here. It was wonderful. And couldn't they sing? I thought I was going to go out the back door. I was bracing myself. They just sing with such exuberance and, and innocence. And there's something about the gospel coming from the mouth of a child that seems so pure. That, that, like that's the way it should be. It should come with that type of joy and energy. I'm so proud of you kids. I mean, you, you, you gave it, you brought it. And, and you did a wonderful, wonderful job. A little girl was dressed as an angel in a different Christmas pageant. And she was told to come down the center aisle. And she said, well, do you want me to fly or walk? <laughs> I like that. You almost kind of sensed that she was all ready to take off. That's good. Peter Marshall wrote, when Christmas doesn't make your heart swell until it nearly bursts and fill your eyes with tears and make you all soft and warm inside, you'll know that something inside you is dead. Well put. There should be joy in our lives, especially because that Christ has come. Now, it can be hard to recognize joy in our life sometimes, I get it, especially because it doesn't always look the way we think it should look. We expect joy to be free of worry and maybe free of hardship, but the Bible tells us that joy is found and can be found in the midst of trials. Consider it pure joy. Pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. This is, we're talking about something rich and something deep. That's what the experience of joy is. That's what James is trying to tell us. And we recognize that joy comes from, fi- uh, from trials because they produce something. In other words, we, we recognize that we can consider them joy because we know God's at work in this. God hasn't abandoned us. And there's great joy in that. And how great is that deep-seated joy that never diminishes, even when the external presses on us, and it will if it hasn't already. And there's joy that's found only in Jesus Christ. And I wonder this morning, have you responded to the message of great joy? Have you responded to the good news by trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior? Please ask yourself this morning, before going on, Before I can talk about anything in this next point, it will mean very little to you if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ. The story of Christmas is Jesus came to save you and me from our sin. We needed a Savior. And the only one qualified to save, God came down and died for you and me. Save us from our sins and bring us into a right relationship with God. And responding to this good news, responding to the Christmas story is acknowledging that our sin has separated us from God and that we've rebelled against God, even called enemies of God. And we confess this, the Bible calls it repentance, and we turn away from our sin and turn to the living God. And the only way we can do that is to turn away from any efforts of the flesh to bring us into that right relationship. 
That's why Jesus came, because we could never do it. And I wonder this morning if you've confessed your sin and trusted Christ as your Savior. Have you done that? And if you sit here, you're like, I, no, you know you haven't. You know you've never made that decision. But right now there's something within you that says, now's the time. Now's the time. Well, if since now's the time, let's do it now. So before we move on, let's bow and pray. If that's you this morning in your seat right now, where you can honestly confess, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I recognize I really don't have hope, love, or joy. And you want to give your life to Him right now and trust Him. I want to invite you with this prayer. Make this your prayer, but I'll lead you and guide you in it. Repeat this to the Lord in your heart. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for dying for me. And thank you for rising from the dead. I confess I need you. I need you as my Savior and Deliverer. Please forgive me of my sin and deliver me from its penalty. I now trust you and you alone as my Lord and Savior. And I claim the promise of Scripture that if I confess my sin, you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've done that, that's your heart expression. Welcome to the family. And uh, welcome to the day that you're able to unwrap, truly unwrap this gift of joy. And I did that now because as we've gone through this series, and maybe as you've talked about hope, you're like, I think I have hope in joy in Jesus. And we got to love, and you're like, well, that's, that's a love of a different kind. I'm not really familiar with that love. Kind of wetting your appetites for today that you can make that decision to give your life to Christ. I pray you've done that. And once we've done that, we're able to do the third point. Choose joy. See, the idea that we can choose joy is a little deceiving. We can't just close our eyes and focus really hard and conjure it up. Joy is a gift. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. By implication, you need the Spirit to experience that fruit, which is why you need to be born again. The Bible tells us when we, you give your life to Jesus Christ, we've received the gift of the Holy Spirit in our life. And the Holy Spirit wants to produce in you and I and give you an ever-increasing measure of joy. But we can't just create it by trying harder. We, but we can choose to live in ways in which God will bring about joy. He says he promises he would. And this concept is kind of similar to physical health. We can't get stronger by just thinking about it. I mean, we can't mentally choose to be stronger and say, well, I just hope I'll beef up here. As mentally, as, you much, as hard as you can focus, it's not going to happen. We've got to exercise. We've got to build muscles that make us stronger. And while we just can't concentrate hard and choose joy, we can choose to do some things that God says will bring joy. And so let's look a little closer at these three practices, I'll call them applications, that allow you and I to choose joy. One is choose gratitude. Try it. I mean, when you don't feel joyful, give thanks. Begin to record all the things 
in all the ways God has blessed you. And even try it out loud. Just start reciting it in the car or wherever you're at and say, God, thank you for this and for this and for this and thank you for doing this. And, and the list will just keep going. Choose gratitude because you know what comes? Joy. It's almost counterintuitive. When you don't feel joyful, instead of griping and complaining, give thanks. Open our hearts to joy. That's what happens when we choose gratitude. Listen to Paul to Thessalonians. He says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you're you're confused about God's will, let's start here. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. That we know is the will of God. Good place to start. Choose gratitude. It positions you to experience greater joy. Choose to obey. John 15, 11, Jesus said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So what did he tell his disciples at that point? What's the secret to joy? The verse before it, he talks about obedience. He told his followers to obey his commands. Now we often want joy just to appear out of nowhere, but Jesus says it comes from obedience. Like gratitude, obedience is a practice, right? And obedience, this long road of obedience as we choose to obey Jesus Christ, God says, you know what? You've made a choice to obey me. You're not going to outgive me. I'm going to give you a greater joy. Maybe you didn't know that. If you're living the Christian life and it's difficult and it's hard and you're not experiencing joy, that would be one thing to look back at and say, am I really obeying Jesus in my life? If you're not, there's a reason joy is absent. Obedience. The more we align ourselves with God's Word to understand His ways, and then choose actions that align with His will and His Word and His wisdom, we open ourselves up to this good fruit. This fruit called joy. So choose gratitude. Choose obedience. They'll bear great fruit and then choose to abide. John 15 tells us this key part of joy. You see, it's kind of like a love triangle. Jesus said, just as He remains in His Father's love, We remain in His love. And our joy is complete. It's not immediate. It's not this quick satisfaction we like. It's this idea of a continual love relationship where we spend time with Jesus. We grow closer to His heart. And more and more we find as we get up, whether it be from prayer or time in the Scriptures or time of worship, we get up and we're like, wow, there's there's a greater joy there. There's a corresponding joy that comes when we abide in Jesus. And that's true in our relationship with Him that our joys may complete by imitating His love and His obedience, by giving thanks, and by just enjoying Jesus in our life. So let this season of Advent be a time when gratitude and obedience and and, and, and abiding in His love position you to experience a greater joy. Because joy is present because of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, thank You that in this season of Advent we can receive and unwrap this phenomenal gift called joy. God, please, as Your people, help us to anticipate, recognize, and to choose joy as we give thanks, obey, 
and abide in you. Lord, lead us into this joy, I pray. And as you lead us into a deeper relationship with you, God, I pray that a result of it is we would receive courage and strength to rejoice no matter what the circumstances we face. And Lord, make our joy complete in you. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Amen.